0: This is Off The Dome Seasoned verbal fellatio On love, spirituality, and everything in between Here, I hit you with a bit of unfiltered musings From an always Brooklyn, Caribbean-rooted, sarcasm-driven Intellectually and spiritually guided girl Step inside my casually unfiltered world let's get into the things let's just go ahead and pull the bandage off real quick so that we can get into it hey y'all it's your girl Kimmy what's going on and for those of you that know me know me like in real life this may still come as a shock to some of you but I hate to cook (laughs) Yes, yes, I know you love food. You love to create food dishes. You love to feed people. How the hell you hate to cook? Well, perhaps the better question is, what happened that turned love into hate? Let's get into it. Alright, so boom. I guess the short answer is, I got burnt out, and within that burnout, I was feeling unappreciated, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There you go. End of episode. Bye. <laughs> now I ain't going to do y'all like that. Let's buckle in for the long answer, shall we? Cool. So, if you've been rocking with me for a long time and you know my story, then you know how it starts. You know, it starts with me, 22 year old mother of one, who wanted to throw a first birthday party for her baby girl. Nothing too crazy, of course, because, well, she's one and she ain't going to remember it anyway. Right. Like, okay. let me stop there for a hot second and fully acknowledge that first birthday parties are for the adults. Okay, point blank, period. Argue with your mama. Don't argue with me. And truthfully, there is nothing wrong with adults celebrating that first year. It's a milestone for both the baby and for you as a parent. All right, cool. So now that we got that out of the way. So I wanted to do a clown theme, which there's no small irony in considering I am quite afraid of them. Clowns that is. I blame the movie It. But I think I wanted to go with clowns because I was like searching online and I had wanted to try my hand at making the cake and I had seen this clown cake as I was searching and I was like, oh, this would be pretty easy to make. So here we go. This is where I got clowns from. Now. At that point, i have been cooking for a good while. So a bit of backstory for you. I made my first dish at eight years old from a recipe in Highlights magazine. And it was Kugel, actually, which is a casserole made with potatoes and carrots. Or sometimes it has like noodles. I believe there's like even a sweet version of it, if I'm not mistaken. And it's usually made during Jewish holidays, such as Hanukkah or Rosh Hashanah. And it's really easy and quite tasty. It should be noted that I absolutely had to beg my mother to let me do it. She was afraid I was going to burn down the kitchen. And it was really my dad that high key let me do it because she definitely said no. And I was a daddy's girl. But from then on, I would watch my Trinidadian dad as he would burn sugar to make his famous stew chicken or make sure I was in the kitchen for my Bayesian grandmother's fish cakes tutorial, which... For the record, it was not really a tutorial. You just had to pay attention because she had been doing these fish cakes and this recipe for so long by then that she just kind of did it all by eye as most elders do. And then you really had to wait a good hot second for her to focus back on her pot and not on you so that she didn't notice that you were really teething all the fish cakes. That's it, that's all. Dang, I really want some fish cakes now. But anyway, I grew up in a family that cook-cooked both sides. My Trini grandmother and aunt boss cooks. In fact, my aunt still runs a food business back in Trinidad to this day. The running joke when we would go back and forth and things is that when you would get there, you would turn around one good time. And my auntie and them, they would just whip up a curry, a bus up shot, or a roti. Vegetables, rice, sorrel, or maybe a ginger beer. Probably a good pilau in there somewhere. Maybe a little coleslaw on the side. Like, she cooked. You already know the story of my Bayesian grandmother and the fish cakes. And then, of course, my mom, who would make well, anything. Because she liked to try out things that she found in recipes. And and by recipes, I mean the ones that she saw in magazines. And then there was my Bayesian aunt, who would make this fish and butter sauce. That to this day... I am trying to replicate and the best mashed potatoes ever I mean ever my family can cook so I grew up learning the best of the best from some of the best and I absorbed all these recipes and the stories that were rooted in them as well because it wasn't just about cooking just to cook right And I enjoyed the eating just as much as the cooking in equal parts, really. I also loved going out to eat. I loved getting dressed up and going to a restaurant and being served and talking and eating and laughing and enjoying my time with my family. Circling back though, right? To the birthday party for my baby girl. So... I knew I was going to make the food for a party. Like that was a given. It was easy. And I wasn't worried about that. But somehow, somehow, I had graduated to making the cake. Like I can cook and I can follow a recipe. And I've baked before. In fact, I used to bake stuff and make sweets like chocolate caramel covered strawberries and bring those with me to work for like my coworkers and that sort of thing. But bake for real for real and like then decorate the cake never have I ever And then then (laughs) Not only did I decide that hey I want to make this birthday cake and decorate it But also that I was gonna make a lemon basil cake Have I mentioned yet that my family is super duper Caribbean In case I haven't my family is super duper Caribbean But here I was, making a lemon basil, clown-decorated cake for my super-duper Caribbean family and my daughter's very southern side of her family. Send help. So boom, right? I told my friend and my daughter's godmother, may she rest in peace, about this cake and the idea that I had. And she had doubts. Now, I too had doubts. In fact, I thought I was doing right much, as the Southern Elders might say. But how dare you have doubts? You don't get to have doubts. Only I get to have doubts. She even went as far as to go ahead and buy another cake that she kept at home, just in case. Listen, it was a whole very interesting thing in time. I. So clearly you know how this story ends. Because... Clearly, I ultimately nailed the cake and eventually I became a chef for 13 whole years. But the shift between the moment that I realized that I wanted to do that and the time that I actually did that, well, that took a little longer. So I was teaching at the time, my first full-time career. I had an extensive nonprofit and not-for-profit background since I was literally what they used to call a Y-brat. So I grew up in the halls of the YMCA first as a participant, then as a part-time after-school helper and teacher. And then finally teaching the same programs that I was a part of as a child. So the YMCA was a pretty formative experience for me and the lessons and people that I met there, the advisors that i had there, I am still connected with to this day. I just knew that one day, I was gonna be running a YMCA somewhere in like the Northeast region, like period. But either way, I needed a job, job, one with benefits. And so I ended up first working in Medicaid service coordination, and then eventually running after-school programming and pushing college and career readiness programming for at-risk students in the city. And I loved it. I loved being able to give back to teens who the world had already given up on in one way or another. I wanna say that 80% of the students that I used to teach, I'm still in contact with and in some cases have a big sis, little sis relationship with. But anyway, the second act of this play goes a little bit differently with my daughter who is now about four or five years old. And she was always the kind of kid who would seemingly ask, like, these random, most existential questions. So this particular day, right, I'm getting her ready for bed. And, you know, after I gave her her bedtime story, and, you know, we start talking about dreams, what they are, and that sort of thing. And again, if you've been following me, or my business is, Then, you already know how the rest of the story goes. So you know that she asked me if I was following my dreams. And you know that I, a whole adult at this point, looked at this child like, Uh, who are you? And where did you come from? And then, I went to do lesson plans. And when I went to do them, an ad for culinary school popped up instead. And the rest is history, right? So I went to culinary school. finished that immediately start doing side gigs here and there and I was able to do like a whole business plan while I was in school because that was part of the class I was taking and I used that plan to create the framework for what was my first business a catering and personal chef service and when I tell you I hit the ground running baby I hit the ground running I managed to book like four gigs easily including one for United Way. And I had friends who jumped in to help out like when I needed staff, a photographer, etc. This was also around the time that network television came calling, literally right out the culinary school gate as well. The ad, again with the ad, yes, there's something to that, I'm sure, popped up on my screen one day when I was putting together recipes and also trying to do lesson plans once again it has gotta be something about the lesson plans too. And on a whim, I applied. Now, a little known fact is that I actually filmed two television shows, not one. So the first show that I was called for was a pilot starring Rocco Desperado, which was called Rocco's Dinner Party. The NDA has long since expired, so I feel like I can talk a little bit about it now, like for real, for real. But the premise was that he was hosting a dinner party with his friends. And the chefs compete for the opportunity to prepare dinner for him and his friends. I filmed that over the course of four to five days, 14 to 15 hour days each day. The last day was a solid 20 hour day. I remember because the casting crew got everyone food from a local diner because we were all starving at that point. And that might have been the best cheeseburger I've ever eaten at four in the morning in my life. Or is it five? Who knows? And it was such a cool experience. I distinctly remember talking to Rocco after the first round in between takes about the best way to get the perfect right plantain, both when you get it from the store and when you have it just like laying around the house. And I remember the the (coughs) Robocool, excuse me, think professional food processor, was not working after I had already put out all the hot filling from my signature dish into it to pulse and so I ended up having to take it all out and cut it up on my cutting board by hand did I mention that it was hot like out the pot hot <laughs> I remember in the final round when I was cleaning up my station after we put out our final dishes and Gail King yes the Gail King Oprah's bestie Gail King Strolls on into the kitchen Looking for another banana tart that I made For dessert And I made one on the spot Because I didn't have any more But who in the hell gonna tell Auntie Gail King Hey uh, Sorry I don't have any more caramelized banana tarts Even though like you love them And bananas are literally your favorite Not I good sirs and dams And after she left I remember the other final contestant Turning to me and saying Oprah's best friend just came in for seconds. You know you won this, right? And I remember saying to him, nah, we don't know. Meanwhile, on the inside, I remember saying, yeah, no, I'm pretty sure I kind of did. And he was right. I absolutely won. And I got to pop champagne with Rocco Desperito and world famous chefs and writers and Auntie Gail King. And let me tell you something. I may not like champagne but I'll be damned if I'm not gonna stand there and sip the champagne and act like I do in that moment and the world never saw the episode so here's the flip side of filming prize-structured reality television shows that if you've never done it before that they don't tell you right so when you're filming a pilot for a new show concept the network see the pilot and they decide if they want to pick up the option to air a certain number of episodes the network also has the right to take a look at the pilot and ask the production company to make certain adjustments to the show in order for them to pick up the option so it is very possible and realistic for you to film a pilot for the show to get picked up for your show that you filmed to not be aired. And that's exactly what happened to me. Like verbatim. The other part of this is that if the show you are in doesn't air, then you don't receive your complete prize money. And this is actually written into the contract. They give you 25% of the prize up front with the other 75% only upon the show airing. And to add insult to injury, you find out that they can't release any other footage to you for your own promotion because, well, the show doesn't look like this anymore. But guess what? They can and absolutely will use snippets of you in their promotional footage where they deem fit. So if you ever happen to see the only season of Rocco's Dinner Party on the interwebs anywhere, It was picked up by Bravo, in case you weren't sure or were wondering. And you look in the opening credits, you can see me twice. Once, flying out of the kitchen and out onto the terrace to set up. Just my body, though, not my face. And once, doing the same champagne toast I talked about earlier. But just my hand and a piece of my chef's coat. Did I mention it was a $20,000 prize? You can feel free to do the math on that one. Fast forward a year or so, and the same production company called me again. And they had felt bad, they said. And so they had another opportunity for me that they figured I would be really great for. And this time they assured me this was not a pilot and it absolutely would air. Smaller prize pot this go around, but no worries. You've got this. And so off I went and I made my first dish in 19 minutes and 57 seconds exactly. And I remember distinctly, I was the only one of the contestants that not only transformed the ingredients, but also who didn't just do something just to say that they put something on the plate. Like I worked hard on that dish and I got eliminated in the first round. You've seen this one, I'm sure. This one was Food Network's Chopped. I rarely have moments when I feel broken or cheated. I'm a Sagittarius son. I feel like I may have mentioned this a few episodes back, but in case I didn't, here we are. So I am naturally an optimist. I'm a firm believer in everything happening for a reason and that everything rights itself in the end been that way since i was a child but i cannot tell y'all a lie i felt broken and cheated like one of the contestants that made it to the next round literally put the american cheese in the mystery basket on the sides of the plate as an afterthought no really they even admitted it while we were waiting they had 10 seconds left and they had forgotten all about the cheese And I had forgotten about it being in the basket. And so that was their quick answer. I made a grilled cheese fried chicken pot pie. Seriously? I distinctly remember texting the guy I had been dating at the time that I got cut in the first round. Then turning my phone off and sitting by the water for hours. It was such a crushing blow for me. Especially considering I had already done a show that I did win. That was never going to see the light of day. But the beauty of growth and knowing who you are and where you were trying to go is a beautiful motivator. And even though this loss stung majorly and of course still sings every time it airs, I got up, I brushed myself off and I kept going. You see, by this point, I was on a mission. I'd never met a lot of chefs like me who were black and women and Caribbean and who did or aspired to do high-end, fine, upscale diet. In fact, I had never met them at all in the first eight years of my career. But let me go back to the timeline for a hot minute. So by now, I was running my business in full swing and I had left my job teaching in the city. It was wonderful in that I was able to work for myself and I still had time to take my daughter to school, pick her up from school, do school trips, sleepovers, Littlest Pet Shop playing, you name it. And the business was doing really well, too. I got to do a number of high profile events. I shot my shot on Twitter. And the next thing I knew, I was doing desserts. And some treats for the Michelle Williams from Destiny's Child And the cast and crew of Chicago the Musical <laughs> Baby, I was working The flip side of this though Was when I was not working It was dry I mean bone dry And that was a scary time Because again, as a gentle reminder Single mom with a girl child who insisted on growing taller and taller every single day without remorse. And so after about a year or so of this up and down seesaw with my savings account looking as raggedy as this year's presidential candidate potential, I decided, all right, it's time for me to start looking for a part-time job to supplement the things. Eventually, a good friend of mine hooked me up with another friend of hers who was desperately in need of a part-time cook. And I had to bite the bullet and adjust my lifestyle and my schedule so that I could start working and get some consistent income coming in. I had only planned to stay at this place for a couple of months simply to rebuild my coffers and then get back at it. But then one of the supervisors there told me about a leadership training program. And so this leadership training program that they offered, when it was all said and done, they said I could apply for a supervisory role and the money was really good. This was the first time, though certainly not the last time of my culinary career when I found myself weighing the dream against the reality. I loved working for myself. I loved the autonomy it offered me, the time with my child, the ability to create really whatever I wanted. The problem with it though was twofold. One, I wasn't learning and growing in my craft. I really wanted to be the first black woman Michelin chef back then. And I wanted to do it through the lens of Caribbean cuisine. But in order to do that though, I needed to perfect that lens. And part of that is via learning from others. The other part, I needed a consistent paycheck. Private school for the Masha and rent and bills were not gonna pay themselves. And so I decided to join the program. Before I knew it, I had managed to move up the ladder pretty rapidly. And I ended up running multiple food departments. So if you ever step into a Whole Foods market and you see an authentic Caribbean hot bar on the menu or Beyond Meat Salad or really almost anything in the cold case of a hot bar, there's a really good chance that it was a recipe that I created. The downside, I started working more and more. At the end of my career, There, I was running one of the newest stores in the family and the setup was a wild one with all these like new technological pieces that other versions of Whole Foods had never had before or had never seen before. It was a lot. Many nights on the nights that I didn't ask my parents to watch my daughter for me, I I found myself asleep on the couch, fully clothed, because just the idea of even attempting to try and shower and change in that moment was exhausting. And I would wake up a couple of hours later with my daughter snuggled under my arm, getting in as much love as she could. I felt like a horrible mother. I have to say I was relieved to leave there. Sure, I was making phenomenal money, But the cost was becoming so high. The next opportunity came quickly on the heels of the first one. And this opportunity was a lot more in alignment with what I wanted to do. So a famous chef's restaurant, an elevated menu that was literally the type and style of food that I wanted to do. Close to home, less than 15 minutes away. Yes, please. And during my trail, I remember I got so comfortable, I forgot it was a trail. In fact, we all did. I got hired on the spot. So committed was I to being able to learn what it was that I wanted to, I even took a pay cut. It really was about learning for me. And then reality struck. The menu that I'd seen on my trail wasn't currently the menu. They'd taken that menu away. Because the cooks there couldn't execute it. In its place was a very watered down version. Nothing on it that I didn't already know how to do. Already know how to make. And what's worse. The restaurant staff were all completely complacent and jaded. They'd seen so many chefs and managers. The GM was brand spanking new too. Rolled through the place. That they just knew that we were going to be. Just like them And just like that The restaurant that I had Such high hopes of learning from That was close to home And that I was going to be able to create A better work life balance With Had vanished into thin air Completely Fuck my life (laughs) Did I mention that my executive Sue Was so insanely jealous of me He would actually hide the prep and the recipes and the hand towels in the secret compartment in the freezer. No, really, I'm dead ass. I wish I was kidding. But fix it, my new GM and I did. We banded together, we weeded out who needed to go, got the staff in line, we got our hands dirty, in many cases, quite literally, and flipped a dying restaurant into a place That you would actually want to have dinner at. We fixed so much. We were even given awards. And we were able to get the powers that be. To get rid of the executive sous chef that was trying to sabotage us at every turn. And, and this was the best part. We got some of the old menu back. (sighs) I can't speak on how the restaurant's doing now. After we left, I mean. But i can say with absolute certainty that we set them up for as much success as humanly possible on with it up the word though right now i am going to preface the rest of this story with a disclaimer i learned a lot in this place more than i ever dreamed about i also have a lot of respect for many of the staff that are still there and if i was still running restaurants I would absolutely, unequivocally hire them to work for and with me without question. I got to meet some absolutely amazing world-renowned chefs and I do mean world-renowned. We're talking like top 10 in the world and I got to work side by side with them. However, and this is a big however, There are a couple of people That if I ever saw them in the street I would walk straight by them And would have not a single problem doing so I don't hate people as a general rule But if I were to They would probably make the list Simply because They managed to gain my trust All while using it against me I'll play them kind of games That's it, that's all But anyway One of the things my former operations manager said to me when I told him where I was considering going to work. He said to me flat out, you're going to hate it there. And I remember just being shocked that he said it because it was such strong words coming from him. Hate it? Really? I have to admit, though, he was not wrong. Okay, so ready 2017 job of my dreams sous chef at one of the dopest places in the city everyone knows it super famous chef is one of the co-owners shit I used to shop there for my fine dining stuff I was excited and my chef to the cuisine is a BIPOC woman and I'm the first black woman chef in leadership ever what dream come true right Nah, absolute nightmare. In the first month, I burned my hand pretty severely. We're talking borderline third-degree burns. And in case you weren't sure, melted butter gets much hotter than regular oil. But anyway, my CDC, which is Chef de Cuisine, is stressed. See, all the other sous chefs were on vacation at the time, so it was just the two of us in our restaurant. And I'll never forget I was home recovering and freaking the fuck out about whether or not I was going to be able to use my dominant cooking hand again. Not to mention I had just started this job. And she asked if I couldn't just stand on expo during the shift and just not go online. And while I completely understood her not wanting to have to work a whole two weeks, like straight on her own why someone from another restaurant couldn't just come in and like shift to help i couldn't understand but well, okay but i was legit just like yeah i don't know what to tell you fam hand burn in pain scared shitlet. it's a man down situation over here so upon my return i became acutely aware that the word on the street was that my burn was from being inexperienced and careless, neither of which were true, but again, eloquent shrug, okay? Then the word on the street was that I was difficult, then abrasive, too direct. You know, what is things they say about black women in charge for five hundred dollars, Alex. Make it a daily double and call it a thousand. Eventually I realized that they were trying to get rid of me. But they couldn't figure out how to not without me screaming discrimination at the top of my lungs and this is not paranoia i was actually able to get this confirmed but what it led me to was me working in this consistent state of fight or flight consistent paranoia that i was going to lose the job of my dreams Add to the mix that the teenage years with my not so baby girl anymore were teenaging at peak levels. And I was going through a spiritual awakening and I had just ghosted slash broken up with my then boyfriend and I had managed to get gain back 70% of the weight that I had just worked to, so hard to lose and now I was right back to working crazy hours. These three years were Rough. Rough. We're talking laughing in the office and crying in the bathroom rough, leaving the office and going straight to the bar rough, sallow skin, dark circles around the eyes, opening restaurants and closing them often in the same day. So why did I stay if I was so miserable? That do sound like you. So the amount of line cooks and other sous chefs when I first became a CDC by default and then for real that would come to me and tell me how happy they were that they had someone who looked like them who now understood them and the language that they speak wasn't there at management. Someone who was willing to teach them when no one else would who would fight for them when no one else would. And then the opportunities to work alongside world-renowned chefs to stay behind and pick up techniques and other things from other chefs who were actually willing to show me their thing or two. Like, of course I stayed. I felt like I had something to prove, especially after a hand-burn disaster. But in the midst of the starving and the staying, I began to rebuild my catering business. I never really closed it, but it had gone through varying different iterations. And now I'd finally gotten to a place where I was happy with where it was. And so I began to build, working full-time in a restaurant, three-quarter time on my business, and still being a full-time mom. Like, it was a lot. But I was motivated. I started doing pop-up dinners, and those brought me so much joy. Eventually, I had begun to build a team for the catering, and I realized that I had reached the crossroads of 12 years prior. Talk about a sad and return moment. Pin that. Of deciding to make the call to quit the full-time job and step out on faith. I knew it was time for multiple reasons. Not to mention the biggest being that I could no longer keep up the happy facade at work. The crumbling on the inside and the clawing at my cage for freedom. It was just becoming entirely too much. I had to go. March 2020. I went into my evaluation to resign and got laid off instead. Look at God. Two weeks later. COVID turned the world upside down. Listen, God, people, them, spiritual court, the planets, the universe. Y'all dead ass? I'm going to stop here for now. I don't normally do cliffhangers and things. And you would think that the rest is the part that's the easiest to talk about. But it's the hardest part and subsequently the most cathartic it's part of the story that sets me free and it deserves its just due so make sure you tune in next week for it besos mi amores